Hello and welcome to another episode of the AC Podcast. It's me, Troy. I'm here with Andy and Steve. Andy, why don't you go ahead and kick us off today? What are we talking about? Yeah, this is something I've wanted to talk about for a while, so I'll be honest with you. I think I'm still working this out. I'm, I'm still working this out. I'm calling it progressive secularism. Now, we just did an AC Literary Expedition on progressive Christianity. So I'm going to throw it back to you guys in just a second here to, to, to define for people what progressive Christianity is. And, and that will help us begin to, I think, talk on this subject of progressive secularism. But I, I, I did just want to put out that, that caveat that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking through this issue. In fact, I think a lot of people are thinking through this issue. And I'd love to hear from you. So if you if you're if you've been thinking on this and you're like, oh man, I got some some thoughts to add, you know, by all means, send a, send us an email info at Apologize Canada. We'd we'd love to hear how you're thinking through this. But we'll we'll share some articles uh, of people that are 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 thinking through it. But guys, back to you. Just for for people who are unfamiliar with progressive Christianity, give us a tight definition. <laughs> the, the impossible task. Yeah, I can't really give a tight definition, but I can describe it, right? So um, the way we talked about it at uh, ACLE, that is Apologetics Canada Literary Expedition, is that it's more of a theological approach than it is a denomination. Um, And so if you are going to go, I mean, there are some denominations, there are some denominations that tend to be more progressive than not. Um, But again, because it's a theological approach, you can see it in different denominations. And it's really, uh, it comes out of theological liberalism, which was heavily influenced by the Enlightenment thinking with all its, you know, anti-supernatural bias and whatnot. But now it has sort of mixed in it some of these postmodern notions uh, and moods, if you will. Um, And that's what we get. Um, that's what we call progressive Christianity. So you'll see that uh, a lot of progressive Christians like to question authority. Um, they question the establishment. They question uh, things like uh, orthodoxy, doctrines that have been established. They'll they'll tackle, they'll address anything that's kind of been accepted. Right, and they'll challenge that. They are often very critical of the evangelical establishment, especially. There's a wide spectrum. So some people are kind of a soft, progressive Christians. Others are pretty radical to the point where they just basically turn into atheists. I think that's a good jumping off point because I think you're right on that that spectrum where you begin to question. And, and it's interesting because a lot of it that I've seen is is starts with questioning the authority of the Bible, particularly on a sec- the sexual ethic of the Bible, and as that authority is challenged, that that begins to move this, you know, theological playground, if you will, where more and more things are questioned until you find yourself questioning Christ. And and in the the progressive Christians that I, I was looking at, that you, you see that movement where. Now, now we we take the divinity of Jesus away, and it can go then all the way to God, you know, as to to what exactly God is, which is is interesting because, in many ways, it's it's a movement toward secularism, uh, so so much so that there was a an interview 
that we uh, directed people to. It was an interview that Sean McDowell did, and Sean did a did a good job uh, interviewing Colby Martin, who is a self-professed progressive Christian and uses that that label, and in fact is quite forthright in on his website with regards to the mission of the church is to see progressive Christian thought, you know, uh, advanced across the United States. When he was asked about Jesus, for example, and did Jesus rise from the dead, his answer was, well, it depends upon the Sunday. And particularly they were talking about Easter, and, and he was also saying it depends upon the Easter. So some Easter's he thinks Jesus may have risen from the dead, others he doesn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So you could see, like, he, he's not quite sure on that, but it was interesting because, guys, I don't know if you heard that interview, but even his understanding of God, where uh, God was basically reduced in his mind to something out of Star Wars, you know, that God's just this force. And and he talks with Sean about how he's thinking about maybe he needs to revisit the personal nature of God. But I think that illustrates well what you're getting at, Steve, where it, this movement towards a, a secular New Age view. Is that fair? Yeah, um, I, I think we definitely do see that. Well, some days it, it feels like there is definitely a trajectory um, other days, I feel like maybe I'm reading the trajectory into it. It maybe it's more that there is uh, a spectrum. Um, so I can't I can't say in general whether there is that definite trajectory. But I have seen my friends go from being that very solid conservative evangelical Christian to now. You know, she or he is so progressive. I don't recognize this faith that that they're embracing um, because now they've removed everything that is central to Christianity. For example, what you just talked about, the resurrection, my goodness. I mean, Paul even wrote in his letter um, that if the resurrection didn't happen, then we're all wasting time here, mm -hmm. right? Because that, that is the bedrock of Christianity. And yet here is a self-professed progressive Christian pastor who says, yeah, some Easter Sundays, you know, I, and then other Easter Sundays, I'm not so sure. Um, so that that's very troubling to me. But yeah, I, I think it's it's probably fair to say there's a trajectory. At least I've seen a number of people go down that route. Yeah, you, I, I swear I've noticed it. It's happened more in, in the realm of, I mean, I guess the, the, the new social justice movement. And I say the new social justice because uh, the approach to it, like as we've said on previous shows, has been very anti-establishment, very anti-organized whatever. Um, and then there has been this level of call for revamping or, you know, deconstructing and, and really looking at the, the foundations of what we've been, what we've been taught and what we've been, what we've been learning. But I seem to find that the breakdown seems to happen where we start going on this trajectory. It always seems to come start with some form of a relationship, uh, an actual person to person relationship, having a breakdown, having whether it's, you know, it's been abuse of power or unmet expectations or unrealistic expectations have led people to, um, 
really, okay, maybe, maybe I don't believe what I believe because if this person I trusted so much, uh, can fall or let me down, but maybe, maybe that means that what I've been learning also needs to take a look at. Now, I don't want us to go on a rabbit trail, but have you guys found that at all? Yeah. And I think actually that's a great place for us to kind of springboard into secular, progressive secularism, because, you know, thus far we've been kind of recapping and bringing you up to speed on the progressive Christianity, which I think you're, you're exactly right, Troy. There, there is this deconstructionism that happens and this, you know, anti-establishment, if you will, or, or orthodoxy could be another way of looking at that, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're, you're seeing this, sadly, within the Christian movement. However, uh, I would argue that so much of what I've seen with progressive Christianity just isn't even Christianity at all. And, and I right. think, like, when I hear Colby talk, and I went onto his church website and listened to a couple of his sermons and his wife Kate's sermons, and I'm like, well, there's nothing Christian about this. The Bible's not referenced. Uh, Jesus, uh, I don't even—I think Jesus was only referenced once, uh, particularly by Kate, uh, in which his humanity and divinity was referenced only for her to say, and I quote, we are fully human and fully divine because this this is an aspect of progressive christianity that i mm-hmm. that becomes this very new agey thing where we're actually you are god uh you are the divine and jesus is just an archetype of what of what in fact you are so it's not jesus that we necessarily worship but really it's just the you know turning back towards ourselves yeah it's just self worship right that's yeah. that is so yeah. um I mean that that's the nature of the fall right there. Yes. Genesis 3, we're reliving it. We just call it progressive Christianity in this particular case. Yes. Steve 100%. That that's absolutely right. This, this is sin at its finest. And in fact, there's a book called The 10 Commandments of Progressive Christianity by Michael Kruger and he calls it a master's class in half truths. Mm-hmm. That's Satan. Satan is a master of half truths, and that's what you see in the garden. Is mm-hmm. is 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 what that that does, and what we've seen is the history of that unfold, where where those half truths lead. That's been an interesting conversation with my kids, by the way. Is and that we've done, by the way, as, as in our ACLE, we'll we'll help people see that there's truth in the things that we'll talk about, which I think shocks a lot of people because then they think, oh, are we saying that those are good? I'm like, no, 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 you need to understand that they are so dangerous because they have the half-truths. Mm-hmm. If they didn't have the truth at all in there, that th- those aren't the dangerous ones. The, the dangerous ones are the master's class of half-truths. Troy, you wanted to yeah. say something? Yeah, I was just, just as you were talking to it, it was, uh, we've, we've referenced this a few times, Greta Vosper. I watched a few of her um, interviews and read some of, you know, the articles around what she had to say. And one of the things she said, uh, like I was watching with my wife and we just like, this is, this is idolatry. Like ultimately that, like you said, Andy, the, the making ourselves God. And she, she stated to her, the close relationship between congregants is the definition of God. I see us as beams of light between each of us. And that light is a source of strength and encouragement and courage and bravado sometimes and peace and healing. And, you know, she also goes on to say that we are the determiners of good. 
for those listeners who might not be familiar with Greta Vosper, she is a minister out in Toronto, and she's actually an atheist. She doesn't even believe in God. And there was a whole like lawsuit that went back and forth, and she was eventually allowed by her denomination to stay on. I think she's with the United Church of Canada, which, uh, as some say, is probably the most um, liberal or progressive uh, denomination in the world. Yeah. There's this weird thing happening, right, guys, where on the one hand, we've been explaining to you how you've got this movement where there's this gradient of Christians that are heading towards this deconstructionism, as, as Troy was talking about there, and this anti-establishment, or what I refer to as an anti-orthodoxy. But on the same, but at the same time, you've got this secular movement towards Christianity, and, and this is where things get really weird. And mm-hmm. uh, and I I'm thinking to myself like. Like this is this is incredible where you've got and, and this is something I've been seeing in academics for a while now, where where there once was a time that we had to argue against relativism. That is less and less the case. It's very actually rare these days that that I encounter people that are are arguing for relativism, especially in the day of social justice, right? Movements of, of all sorts. People aren't protesting because they think that anything goes. They're protesting mm-hmm. because they think some things are right and some things are wrong. And, yeah. and they're quite convinced on that. Steve can't wait. He, he's like, <laughs> let me jump here. All right, Steve, I'm going to let you in. Go ahead. Yeah, just to say that some people have recognized that over the last, I don't know, some 10 years or so. See, we used to think that, politically speaking, the left tended to be very relativistic. The right tended to be more like objectivist or absolutist or whatever. In the last 10 years or so, that has completely changed. It's It's actually the political right that tends to be more relativistic and the political left that tends to be very dogmatic about everything. And and, and, and I guess... uh... This is ultimately what we're getting at, that there's this interesting moment that we're in, where there are some, you know, where you got this progressive Christianity happen, it's a deconstruction, but then you've got this, this other secular movement that's that's seeking to construct and say, no, 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 Christianity, don't deconstruct, society needs you. And that mm-hmm. that might be surprising uh, mm-hmm. For some people to hear, and, and there's been some interesting articles that have been out lately, where you're seeing an interesting movement in atheism towards theism, and it's being mm-hmm. politically moved. Do you guys want to say something on that before I I want to share uh, a couple articles here? Yeah, I, I mean, the first thought I had was. I know this friend, just a personal story. Uh, somebody that I met way back in 2003, this guy, Kurosh, he grew up in the LA area. He's a California boy. He's a metalhead. Uh, very interesting guy. He was dyed in the wool atheist when I met him. I got a message from him, I think about six years ago, seven years ago. And then he sent me a message saying, hey, Steve, you know what? I'm an atheist and everything, but gosh, this world needs Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it was just fascinating just watching him. And then um, like six months after he reached out to me again, he's like, Steve, can you send me a copy of 
a, a Bible. So I, I sent him uh, a copy of the ESV study Bible and he uh. read through it and he, he loved it. Um, is he a Christian? No, he he's still an atheist. But now he's come to the point where, man, I recognize just the sheer influence that Christianity has had on culture mm. and how much good it has done for society. You know, I, I am in a sense a Christian, right? I mean, I don't believe in God. I don't believe all that doctrine stuff. But man, like I, I live in that water. So that was really interesting seeing it from mm. a guy who was such an ardent atheist. You know, that's interesting because just a few years ago, I remember some friends literally shifting their lingo from, well, I'm, I, I'm not a Christian, but I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, by definition of Christian, you are a, but I understood the, the tone. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right. We, we don't want to and this is something we've talked quite a bit about the show on the show. Uh, we don't want to hide from mistakes in the past and making a distinction between what Christianity stands for and perhaps what a Christian has done or somebody in the name of Christ has done, but but not to conflate those two, that that this is Christianity. Uh, you know, and that we need to be careful that we aren't sweeping, you know, certain stories under the historical. Uh, you know, rug, if you will. We have to be so cautious in a media that cherry picks stories to push a narrative. And so you've got a tiny church, a tiny church doing some crazy stuff, right? Saying some, some, some inflammatory things. And then that then becomes the brush by which we're going to paint Christianity. Come on. Right. So we have to be so cautious of this. One of my favorite things to do is to go it's, I guess it's not my favorite thing. It's what I'm forced to do with the podcast. But I, I go, <laughs> I go look at different news agencies of what they're what they're reporting on, right? And 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 so and you'll see this. I mean, I just saw this the other day where, you know, there's this news agency reporting on you know this event where 200 people are marching, you know, and then and then that, that becomes the brush paint of what's happening in the United States. Look at right. this movement. Really, two two hundred people. <laughs> And that that's the that you, you, you so my point just being we got to be so cautious. Yeah. Media has become so toxic. Now you've heard me say this before but man do you need to be careful that you don't fall into that trap that's going on. I want to share some uh, some uh, an interview that just recently happened and I want to get your guys' feedback on this. Uh Jonathan Van Moren uh did an interview with Neil Ferguson. Now Ferguson just wrote a book called Doom, The Politics of Catastrophe. He's a Scottish-American historian, Milbank Family Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institute at Stanford University, and he previously was a professor at some uh, esteemed places such as Harvard, London School of Economics, New York University, uh, Oxford, and the like. He, he said this in the interview. I think this this really captures what I'm getting at here with this uh progressive secularism. He says, I was brought up an atheist. I didn't become one. I regard atheism as the religious faith I happen to be brought up in. It is, of course, as much a faith as Christianity or Islam. I completely agree with that, by the way. That is absolutely Mm -hmm. the case. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say, and I have the Calvinist brand because my parents left the Church of Scotland. I was brought up essentially in a Calvinist ethical framework, but with no God. This had its benefits. 
I was encouraged to think in a very critical way about religion and also about science, but I've come to see as a historian that you can't base a society on that. Indeed, atheism, particularly in its militant forms, is really a very dangerous metaphysical framework for a society. Agree? Again, I completely agree with him on that. Continuing on, he says, I know I can't achieve religious faith, but I do think we should go to church. (laughs) I do think we should go to church. We don't have, I don't think, an evolved ethical system. I don't buy the idea that evolution alone gets us to be moral. It can modify behavior, but there's just too much evidence that in the raw, when the constraints of civilization fall away, we behave in the most savage way to one another. I'm a big believer that with the inherited wisdom of two millennia, of a two millennia old religion, we've got a pretty good framework to work with. Amen. I can I can get on board with that. And that's so fascinating, right? Um what what comes to my mind is the conversation that these two guys had on this podcast, this cultural moment. Now you guys heard me reference it a few times before. And one of the things that they point out is as they kind of look at the progress of culture, they start with this kind of first stage of culture, this pre-Christian kind of a pagan culture. And then the second stage is this Christianized culture. And then they'll say that we're now living in this post-Christian culture. But what this post-Christian culture is really, uh, they'll put it this way, that this is a kingdom without the king, right? We we have all these things that we inherited from our, you know, kind of Judeo-Christian heritage, but we don't want the king. Uh, but I, I, and persuaded that really without the kink, you can't have the kingdom either. It's just going to be up for grabs for whoever. And I think we're seeing a lot of unrest because of that. Um, and and after enough of that, yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, think about it. When you're in the kingdom, you have to start wondering, like, where did this come from? Who does this belong to? Where are we going? Right. And I think a lot of these atheist writers, that's, in a sense, the kind of realization they're coming to. It's just interesting to see. It reminds me of just a movie I, I saw, and I think it's been replicated in multiple different movies where people are living in an area. They they have this one way of thinking. They have this one way of doing things. And they all are just like, this is just the way things have been done. All of a sudden, there's one person who just, for whatever reason, falls through a back room or back wall and realizes that everything has been artificial and that sort of thing. And I feel like that's what would happen. Just like you're saying, without without a king, it's like, if we just try and govern ourselves at some point, it it's gonna fall through. And you're gonna realize that, like, I, I think there's some people that would jump on that, what he's saying and just be like, awesome, now let's just get him in church. But that's where I think we run into trouble. He's okay with church, which is cool. But is that ultimately what we're after, is just getting people in church? That's where I, I'm like, hmm, that's not, you're on the right direction. I believe you're in the right direction, but this is where, okay, now we need discipleship. And that's what, what gets people running left, right, and you know, running the wrong way sometimes because they don't want that discipleship. Well, it, it's interesting that you bring that up. 
Troy, because, you know, I agree with you, but I, I just want to compare these two, right? You got the progressive Christian Christianity on the one hand, where you've got Christians that are progressing. Now, I, I don't use that in a positive way, because uh, this is a point Steve has made uh, before about, you know, progression seems to indicate, you know, some sort of standard, right? But what, what we're seeing is this Really, it's a progression out of Christianity into such a degree that you're like, how do you even call that Christian? But then on the other hand, you've got this progressive secularism where they're heading towards Christianity. Now, now here's here's uh, Douglas Murray. You've probably come across his writing. Uh, he's he's written a number of things, such as the madness of crowds uh, and and other books that have gained quite a bit of attention. I don't know if you know this. He refers to himself as a or has. Um, as a Christian atheist. Now, I think that's interesting, where you will see, to your point, Troy, different levels of atheists that are progressing towards Christianity, and many would put Jordan Peterson on that very tipping edge right. of of becoming Christian, uh, if not Christian. Uh, just given what we talked about on the, that uh, a podcast a, a, a while ago, we could we could post that one, where he basically said, "I believe this. I I don't know." You know what that means, or I don't understand this. Yeah, I don't understand. I, my yeah, own I belief. believe it, but yeah. I don't know why. Now, Douglas Murray, in a in a discussion with uh, N.T. Wright, uh, described himself as an uncomfortable agnostic who recognizes the virtues and the values of the Christian faith uh, that the Christian faith has brought, uh, and that he and then he notes um, that. Uh, that in in this, by the way, is, is in this article, uh, in this article by uh, Van Muren, and he he notes that he's irritated by the way that the Church of England is fleeing from its inheritance, quote, giving up its jewels, such as the King James Bible and the Book of Prayer, in exchange for progressive pieties. My fear is that the Church is not doing what so many of us on the outside want it to do. This is so interesting. What, what does this guy want the church to do? He says, preaching its gospel, asserting its truths and its claims. When one sees it falling into all the latest tropes, one thinks, well, that's another thing gone. Just like absolutely everything else in the era, I am a disappointed non-adherent. What do you do with that? Yeah, very interesting. In other words, he's saying... Uh, he's criticizing a church movement that is sort of, they're going in one way and the people on the outside are like, but that's precisely the wrong way to go. Because then, I, I mean, this is how I'm kind of constructing it in my head, right? Because then at some point, like at that point, what makes you different from anybody else for one? And you are, and that has been my critique of, uh, some of these very liberal progressive church movements is that they tend to be shapeshifters. They take on a lot of the cultural concerns and they change their sort of uh, goalposts depending on whatever is currently culturally very sensitive, right? And so then my critique is, okay, if you as the church are just going to offer whatever the culture has to offer, then why would people go to your church when they can get the same thing from the culture, right? And and that's what I see in 
what you just read. Yeah. Isn't it interesting when you've got this so-called Christian atheist, right, who's saying, Christians, we need you to preach the gospel. We need mm-hmm. you to stand for truth. Yep. This, this culture—now, guys, one of the things I find so fascinating about this is my studies in pre-World War II— Now I leading up to the war. And and I'm not saying this because I think we're leading up to a war. I, I don't. But I think that we are in the same cultural war that was happening at that time. And you have the you have a very similar thing taking place where you've got different intellectuals of the time that are actually coming to faith in Christ. They're actually coming to Christianity because they realize that society needs it. They realize that that this provides an ethical framework that is absolutely missing in secular culture. And by that, I, I, I should be defining what I how I'm using secular. Uh, and by that, we're we're talking about a culture built on a worldview devoid of God. Uh, and and this becomes a really mixed bag as to what kind of worldview that's ultimately going to be. Is it going to be a purely physical worldview? Is that going to be some sort of what we're seeing more and more these days as a new agey kind of worldview? Because people are realizing secularism, a hard secularism built on atheism doesn't work. We know that morality exists. Some things are right, some things are wrong, but what are we going to build that on? And right now you got this quasi-mystical worldview that people are going, this isn't even going to do. You know, where I see this the most it, for me is in the arts world. Being a Christian artist um, or artist who's Christian, you know, the whole debate. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm amongst a lot of people that, you know, where by and large, as far as success goes, as far as their abilities goes, they can go to toe to toe with anyone in the, genre, you know, in, in popular genre, you know, or at, at very least they could do very well in, in that realm. This just the difference is they're Christian, but there it has been this like movement of people that have and for lack of better term, we'll use the culture, the Christian cultural term of watered down their 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 statements, watered down their what they talk about in their music for the sake of appealing to the outside world more. But what's funny is you have some of these big artists who are doing this. But then the the major artists from the world look at you and they're like, "Oh, he th- he's a Christian artist. Like he's a Christian artist. You you're not like us." But that Christian thinks that, well, we've transcended, and now we're finding it, we're in this like nuanced space. And there are some who real who really are and are doing it well. Um, their their faith is well established. It's well known, and there's you know there's no disdain towards being called a Christian artist or whatever. But there is also this movement of people that it's almost like they've gotten so used to serving the church that they forgot that it was the foundation was supposed to be devotion to God. And so they've just grown tired of I'm tired of having to talk about put Jesus in all of my songs. I'm tired of having to feeling like I need to be theologically accurate every time I do a song. I just want to do something from my life. And Jesus is in all of it. And and what has happened is like you see people from the world that are like, but even we can see through what you're doing and you're a Christian. You, it, this is obviously you're a Christian or they're like, wait a minute, this dude's a, this guy's a Christian rapper. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known. And that's a negative, that's a negative approach, but that's just where I see it a lot. 
it's it's very much like you know you you know that one guy in school who tries way too hard to fit in with the cool kids but it backfires on him because now you you're neither here yeah. nor there but then there are some guys like say you know those those geeks right and nerds who own it right and they they know they're geeks and nerds and they own it i'm just like i have way more admiration for that than those guys who try to fit in with the cool kids yep well it's hot or cold like just pick a side like just just pick a side either get all in or get all the way out but sitting in the middle it actually frustrates people well this is an interesting moment i think in the church i was talking to a friend of mine about this on the phone recently and that is that the church is in a winnowing moment his cultural moment where it's no longer you you are in a moment now where you gotta actually take a stand what what do you believe and and there was a long time here where christianity uh had some you know call it what I've, you know, what I've called in the past, you know, with regards to just this uh, celebrity culture where it was actually all right. It was actually kind of cool to go to church. Mm. But now, now it's not so cool. Now, now you actually got to, got to land with what you actually believe and think. Now the progressives are going down this road of, well, we'll just embrace some sort of quasi new age thing and call it Christian, which it is not. Yeah. And uh, that drives me crazy just so we're clear, but uh, <laughs> tell us how you really feel. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, but then it's, it's making, it's, it's really having this effect where some, some are saying, well, I'm in and some are saying no, I'm out. And I, I don't know that we should be upset about that necessarily, that, that there probably is going to be a lot of people not coming back to church after the pandemic sort of thing. There's probably going to be a number of people that might be leaving the church uh, but yet it's interesting, isn't it, that there's quite a few people that are going to start coming to church. Why? Because it, they, they, because of the truth, right? And not whether or not this is the cultural thing to do or, or, uh, has become just some sort of social club for this individual, but this is what they actually believe. And this is what they're going to live their lives according to mm. that. The authority is found in God and in God's word and not in themselves and their own word. Yeah. I think we as Christians need to reclaim the theology of sojourning mm. because we are sojourners. We're first and foremost citizens of heaven. Yeah. And we just happen to be living in this place, in this country that we are currently calling our home. But really, our real home is with God, with the Holy Spirit, That that go, who goes wherever we go because he indwells us, right? Um, but so many of us, we look to the wider culture and we want to fit in there. Mm. That's the wrong home. Our home is with God, is, is in heaven, being in the presence of God and with one another. Um, and so when we forget that, when we forget that we're sojourners and we try to become more like the wider culture, we're not actually doing the culture any service and we're not doing ourselves any service. And so I think we need to really, this is a place where we need to put our flag down and say, yeah, we're sojourners. I, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Steve. And there's some aspects of the Christian faith, though, that I think we really need to claim 
and 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 appreciate how much our culture needs right now. And th- and this becomes a whole bigger conversation of really challenging the church to be the church. But I want I want to bring it back to some secular thinkers and and just show you what they're saying, what they're pointing towards. There's there's a philosopher, uh, Sir Roger uh, uh, Scruton. He, Scruton. Uh, he's no he's no longer alive, but he, but during his life he began attending church himself, and and in fact even played uh, the organ at All Saints. Now, uh, his his friends said of his faith, what we know is that he thought Christianity was in many ways the soul of Western civilization, and that the uniquely Christian concept of forgiveness was utterly indispensable to its survival. You, you, so you see. Mm him pointing to this idea of forgiveness. And this is something that we've talked about. I mean, we live now in a shame-based culture, or at least that's what the culture the, the culture is wanting to do. Cancel because, culture. Because you need to appreciate, and this is how the, the, the secular thinkers are, are coming at this, is they're going, wait a minute, we have just shifted from a forgiveness culture to a shame-based culture that that is is not bringing us to a kind of world that we want to live in that you right. know they're 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 responding to it you you also get this with ferguson in his book doom he's responding in many ways to totalitarianism and saying look look how we're moving towards totalitarianism by the way again this happened pre world war 2 leading up to the war you saw this movement like in Russia and, and elsewhere, movement towards totalitarianism, right? Now, and what happened during that time is you had all these academics that were opposing this ideology, and they were writing out, they were speaking against it, and guess what happened? They had to think about, well, what am I arguing for? I, I'm opposed to this, but what am I for? And it begins leading them to the Christian worldview. Yeah. Now, we in the AC Literary Expedition, we shared a couple of those uh, and, and talked on their books, um, C.S. Lewis, by the way, was uh, was interestingly one of those people that writes about that very thing in his book, The Abolition of Man, and this movement that's taking place. Now, the guy who I studied, Michael Polanyi, in my doctoral work, he was one of those people. He was one of those that rose up going, whoa, 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 seeing where culture's going, he's speaking out against it, it brings him to Christianity. Notice that we're seeing the same thing happening right now. We are seeing these academics speaking out about where the culture's going, uh, and what is it doing? It's leading them to say, okay, well, what do you put in its place? Well, the only thing that seems to be able to provide what we think is a good society society, is the Christian framework. Uh, let me just make, make this last comment on that, because two summers ago, as you guys know, I, I went to Switzerland for the... Uh, World Congress in Philosophy of Law, in which the the topic that was being addressed was inherent dignity. And I've been seeing in, in articles that I've been reading that this has been coming up, because this is one of those concepts that is under attack, is, you know, the, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights says that, you know, that people have equality and we have inalienable rights, right, that we have inherent dignity. But the problem is, is what foundation are you going to provide that actually can ground that, right? So what they had is is various thinkers from atheists to Christians presenting on what can provide a foundation for inherent dignity. And what I think is so interesting is, first of all, I listened to those papers. I listened to those thinkers of various stripes, 
from full-blown atheist to agnostic to everything in between, arguing for inherent dignity, and it was an utter failure. Some of them were an, were absolutely laughable from what I heard, and some of them were downright disturbing. Wow. And uh, I was quite privileged to get a, a, and, and proud to present the Christian worldview, uh, which, by the way, just came out in a book, a two-part series on, on human dignity. At any rate, it fires me up because what I'm reading with these secular thinkers, and we can post these articles, is that they're saying, listen, do you want to know what provides a foundation? We know. The Christian worldview, particularly that humans are made in the image of God, that provides the foundation. Good luck finding a foundation outside of that. Is And you know, with the recent sort of outrage that we have seen in the culture in Canada over the discovery of the remains of the children at these former residential school sites, even the fact that we're outraged about that Right? What is the foundation for that outrage? Well, we clearly think that these children had value. And where do you ground that? Right? Why would you think that these children have value? Just because they're human beings? What does that mean? What does it mean to be human? On a completely physicalist, naturalistic point of view, you're nothing more than just accidental collocation of time plus matter plus chance. You're just a blind... In a universe that cares nothing about you, you just happen to be here because you accidentally were put together. Yeah. That's a great example of what we're getting at here. So yeah. a secular culture that that we uh, are, are living in right now sees these atrocities, right, and says, no, that was terrible what happened to the the indigenous communities, the First Nations people of Canada, right? But... Uh, on what basis, on what foundation are you going to say that, that that's wrong or bad? Because you got a society that's talking out both sides of its mouth. On the one mm. hand, it's saying on a secular culture, there is no grand design to the world. There's no creator. Like you said, Steve, it's just all physical. There is no such thing as right or wrong, good or evil. And we've heard various people spout that from Dawkins to others. But you can see this progressing in secularism now going, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that ain't right. No, no, that is wrong. Because people start to lose their value and it contradicts, like it really does contradict the social justice narrative because social justice narrative doesn't carry weight if there isn't something greater. If we are not more than just the sum of our parts, that's right. Then, then what are we arguing for? Just like you're saying, Steve, it's just like it then, and this is obviously not what we were saying on AC, but the reality is if we are just a bunch of matter thrown together, then as much as those things were horrible, it doesn't really matter in the timeline of humanity because it's just a blip. Or if we're just animals, right? If we're just animals, then That's what animals then do. You know, survive or die sort of thing, right? Like, how do we say that treating a, a human being in a certain way is is morally wrong? On what foundation? What standard, yeah. Even uh even regarding children of a different, dare I say, tribe, right? Like me, I, I'm East Asian, right? Far East. Um, and sometimes it seems a little bizarre to me, right? That, I mean, I understand why this is happening, but so many people look at what 
these indigenous children suffered, which is horrendous, right? And go, that is wrong. This is an outrage, those kinds of things. Now, in a completely sort of naturalistic, uh, evolutionary kind of a worldview, really, these children are not part of my tribe. So why should I care about them? But the fact of the matter is we do. That comes out of our understanding of universal humanity. They're people just like us. Now that idea, people would like to trace it back to, trace back to the Enlightenment. But that idea is, the Enlightenment thinkers, they didn't get that idea out of a vacuum, right? They were brought up in a Judeo-Christian world and they are borrowing it from that tradition. And so even that idea of universal humanity, the fact that we can be outraged about children who belong to a different tribe, says a lot about the influence mm-hmm. of Christianity. This might be an interesting place for us to begin to wrap up here. Douglas Murray, who, who I've mentioned here, he believes that Christianity is essential because secularists have been thus far totally incapable of creating an ethic of equality that matches the concept of all human beings as created in the image of God which we've been uh, talking about. He noted that post-Christian society, or what we're just talking about here as secular culture, has ultimately three options. And I, and I think this is right. The first is just to, aband- uh, to abandon that all human life is precious. Uh, another is to work furiously to nail down an atheist version of the sanctity of the individual, which we've seen absolutely fail. Uh, although I appreciate the, them trying, by the way, and I think that's important to note. I, I appreciate that they are trying because we've we've come across different uh, ethical systems. I think we've talked on some of these on the podcast, such as the the concept of a moral fact, which which I appreciate the the effort there because they're acknowledging people like Wielenberg and others are acknowledging that objective moral values are real. That there is such a thing now. Now, of course, he and others try to try to establish that without God, but ultimately that project fails, and so ulti- and, and so you have Murray saying, "Well, you know, your third option uh, is to go back to faith, is to go back to Christianity, whether we like it or not." Jeez, it's an interesting call, isn't it? Where like we're in this we're in this cultural moment where we've got. This progressive Christianity happened where people are abandoning, you know, Christian faith. But then you've got this progressive secularism where people are are heading towards the Christian faith. And uh, I and I'm I and I, I'm not saying that I can tie this all up in a tidy <laughs> bow. All I'm just saying is this this is what I'm seeing. This is the world that you and I find ourselves in. I don't know what to make of it all at the moment. But I, I do know that we've culturally been here before. We've been here before, and it did lead to a number of people placing their yeah. trust in Jesus, actually. But I think it will require that the church appreciating the, the truth that it is, in fact, founded on. And it will require a church that can identify the work of, of the enemy, the work of half-truths. We need a church that's firmly established on the truth, the authority found in God in the scripture, and that we don't waver from it. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. 
The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, and as such, we have found a way to be on all of your favorite streaming platforms. So make sure to look for the AC Podcast and like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If something we said today resonated with you, feel free to reach out to us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, as always, love God, love people. Bye for now.